Welcome to the show, and don't forget to check out this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters, as we explore everything from Space Kraken to Giant Sandworms. To get access and help support the show while hearing every episode early and ad-free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash and use my code IsaacArthur. This episode is sponsored by Brilliant. The nature of what it is to be human is something we've long struggled with, and it's a question that will only get more complex with time. But as we'll see today, in regard to digital minds, for such people, time itself might be a rather hazy concept. When I was a kid everyone talked about how the computer age or information age had begun, but sometimes we instead called it the digital age, and that might turn out to be much truer than we originally thought. Today we'll be looking at what it might be like to be a digital being, one whose mind was stored on a computer, either one inside a cybernetic or android body, or existing entirely inside virtual worlds. I will start though by saying that we're not too interested in digital versus analog, a digital mind has become a bit of a blanket term for a mind not stored on mushy gray matter, but digital and analog are ways of storing, moving, and using data. You could create a biological digital computer or an analog computer and use either to emulate the other approach. That certainly has its own unique challenges and discussions, but we'll be focusing on the concept from that blanket terms perspective today. We also don't want to focus too much on organic brain versus electronic computer, this is mixing concepts. A brain and a computer are two very different machines that have some parallels and overlaps, either can be done with biological neurons or semiconducting transistors. They can also likely be done with strictly mechanical approaches or any number of other systems, which we call substrates, the base foundation of what the brain or computer is built upon. You could, presumably, build either a brain or a computer by using everything from mechanical switches to insect hives acting as individual components, and we looked at the mechanics of that, some of the more peculiar options, and the concept of substrates more in our episode Mind Uploading. Same as an image would vary a bit depending on the substrate you placed it upon, be it paper or canvas or a monitor or a t-shirt or a coffee mug, or even grown from flowers as pixels on a large lawn, we have to assume a mind made on a different substrate than neurons or transistors will vary a bit, but you presumably aim for minimum differences when uploading or creating a mind. That's going to be very dependent on the process and may be minimal or large, but we also must consider drift. A person, once made or copied to a computer, will diverge from a biological life when they begin living their digital life. That will be our focus today, along with simply that lifestyle, even where it involves a regular old brain, such as folks living Matrix-style in virtual environments. Make no mistake though, such things are not simply distant concerns for a science fiction novel or centuries from now, or even just on the horizon, they are here, today, right now. This is the digital age already, and we see the impact in things like social media, modern communications, computer-based recreation like video games, and more and more folks engaging in remote work. There are many differences but four take a frontline focus. First, there's nothing about a digital existence that would imply any sort of set lifespan, except in extreme senses like having so much life experience that your memory needs to be erased or compressed or archived to make using it all viable. We explore that more in our episode Digital Death, 
but at least in a practical sense, a digital life is an immortal one, where backups and distributed minds make even death by accidental malice, not just aging, nigh impossible. Second, time can be rather fluid. We would expect a mind running on a substrate of transistors or optical switches to be able to run much faster than modern brains. Indeed you'll likely be limited to how fast you can purge heat to keep your switches cool as they flip bits. Such being the case, you could run faster than a normal human, potentially millions of times more. More importantly though, especially if you're in a personal universe, you can accelerate or decelerate how fast things are running and do so very easily. This might have some peculiar effects on how everyone views time, when there might tend to be a base rate most folks operate at most of the time but you could speed up at will, we call this frame jacking. So you might walk out of a room and come back 10 minutes later having spent many days or even years thinking on some matter, or even living in a personal universe, while those in that room when you returned might have simply slowed their mind to a crawl so they didn't have to wait on a response, they just blinked and you returned. We can think of such folks living millennia or longer, but if time is subjective and it's really their personal experience time that mattered, they might not be around all that long. If we assume most folks could only meaningfully live a few thousand years of life as a human, maybe things broke down or got bored or required a major change in psychology and format to continue longer, that time is measured subjectively in their own experience, not against an outside universal clock. It's how much life you live on your own clock, not the universes, that would tend to matter. So if your mind runs a million times faster, even if you can live hundreds of times longer, at that subjective speed you'd cease existing a few hours of real world time, not decades or centuries. Third is how the mind can be expanded or altered in terms of function. We don't do certain types of memory or thinking as well as even the simplest of modern machines, like adding numbers or storing images in video, and it might be quite common for folks to get augmentations that allowed for that, but a digital person could presumably have that very easily. Moreover, they could expand their mind. They don't really have to worry about classic brain size limitations, or even strictly speaking a three-dimensional network architecture of their neurons. They can also be upgraded while they are alive, permanently or even temporarily, like accessing a partial network, cloud, or hive mind to overclock their thinking. Indeed even the concept of a set mind and person might get hazy, as they could potentially be moving around the boundaries of their mind or breaking into two or three, or merging one copy with another person and reintegrating those as needed. Sounds like the sort of thing that might drive someone crazy, but personality might be a rather fluid and malleable concept in some cases. Speaking of going crazy, the fourth is simply the lifestyle. Such alterations to bigger or better or distributed minds might well push folks over the edge, or simply be stable, but results in thinking that wouldn't fit into the modern human psychological template very well. But this can happen even if you're just a plain vanilla human only digital. We already talk about behavioral differences in people online as opposed to in real life, where anonymity and minimal consequences often seem to encourage bad behavior, but how much worse would this be if you spent all your time as a god-king of some personal virtual utopia, where everything from the weather to the simulated people inside it was subject to your utter whim and total dominion. A lot of our better traits, especially our sense of courtesy, come from an underlying need to be socially acceptable in order to operate well or even survive, 
and if those are missing you might get some problems in the form of an entire civilization of folks who rarely interacted with each other because they didn't need to and didn't much care to speak to all those other rude and selfish narcissists. That said, I would only see that happening if folks only lived in such personal utopias, and even then it's hardly guaranteed. There are any number of video games where you have such control on the environment, and I tend to favor those kind of world building and management games myself when time permits me to play and allows me to be quite the hermit, but I don't recall anyone accusing me of the aforementioned traits, nor notice them in others with such recreational habits, any more than I've noticed folks who prefer first-person shooter games to wander around shooting everyone they meet. I would also like to assume I and they would not tend to exhibit such behavior even if we spent most of our time in such places and they were more realistic than modern games. Your core morality influencing your behavior can presumably drift with time, but I get quite distressed when playing some game if messages go off telling me my virtual town or person is starving or things are running badly even though I hardly feel like I'm acting evil in any objective sense. And while I know folks often do the exact opposite and terrorize their virtual civilizations, I've never noticed them being bad folks in real life. The notion being that your core morality probably stubbornly lingers, so we could presumably instill that into people before we cut them loose to play God. One aspect of a digital life is you can sculpt it for kids you're raising in it, hopefully instilling a strong and lingering sense of ethics. Another notion is that you can sculpt that mind quite a lot too. Brain surgery is a lot easier in digital setups, presumably, so you could just give every person a solid and ethical core morality from the get-go, or even reprogram them. Needless to say, the ability to reprogram folks is pretty terrifying if abused too, and that could be the kind of thing that began with good intentions and slowly slipped down the slope. Interesting ramifications too, you could erase memories from a digital mind. Several stories and movies have explored the idea of erasing traumatic memories or doing a total memory wipe of people you wish you never knew. Those are a bit unrealistic though because if you had the knowledge to erase memories it'd be easier and healthier to just address the trauma around them, and if you paid to forget about your ex-girlfriend you'd have to delete years of pictures with her and persuade your parents and family to play along with a story that you've been single all this time and make up a new story about where the jacket she bought you came from. But while erasing a memory would clearly not work well for a single individual, it might work just fine if the entire civilization did it. If no one remembers a certain person, and everyone remembers the cover story as a fact, there won't even be a mystery lingering, that person would just be effectively non-existent. This has some disturbing long-term implications and consequences, a lot of them actually. Civilizations might essentially rewrite their own past, something we arguably do now, but a digital civilization could do it more thoroughly and irrevocably. Shameful atrocities could be wiped out and forgotten, or even created, fake histories generated to demonize a foe or to support an ideology or to show it not to work. With sufficient control, since these minds are digital, you could edit them all, against their will and without their knowledge. But perhaps the scarier thought, if that's possible, would be that it might often be voluntary. As we discussed in our post-scarcity civilizations episode, Reality and Simulation, the only thing better than taking a virtual vacation to some historical or fantasy setting is not realizing it is a simulation while you're there. 
Much as we tend not to know that we're in a dream while it's going on, we'd probably see a desire for a technology that allowed you to suppress awareness that you were in a simulation during it. That wouldn't be a bad thing if it was like a dream, you awoke when you were supposed to and soon thereafter shook off the dream sense in favor of a return to reality, but folks might flat out immigrate to such places with no intent to return. I suppose I shouldn't imply that is automatically bad, in many ways it would be no different than immigrating to a distant colony ward, or even perhaps a means of retirement or rehabilitative incarceration, but the notion of whole civilizations doing that would be rather disturbing. Still, while many folks would presumably go this route, or variations of the King of the Ward motif in simulation, it's not really our focus for digital life. For a digital being, where one can think as fast as one can flip bits, regardless of the time in the outside world, such simulated realities are both a blessing and more seductive too. Consider, the typical person nowadays might use something like 1000 watts of electric power, If that were being used to flip bits at the theoretical maximum efficiency, what we call the Landauer limit, at Earth temperature, and at our best estimate for how much processing power you need to emulate a human brain, you'd be able to run 100 million brains on 1000 watts of power, or one brain 100 million times normal speed. That's three subjective years experienced for each second that passes. That's a quarter of a million years for each day that passes you could experience a lifetime as long as the entire universe has been around, 13.8 billion years, in just a couple normal human lifetimes, 138 years, and you're functionally immortal so living to 138 is hardly a problem. If you were trying to carry on a conversation at that speed with a normal modern human, in the 10 or 12 seconds it took them to give a fairly short answer or remark, just a sentence or two, you could have switched over to a virtual world, met the guy, girl, or bean of your dreams, married and have kids graduating from college by the time they finished their sentence and you pop back into reality to review what they said and formulate a perfect reply. You might not always want to be running that fast of course, especially if you were, say, an interstellar colonist on a century-long journey to a new world. For you, that century would take 10 billion years, but of course it would not. You could make it take just one second, plus whatever time you felt like spending on other matters during the flight, or the transmission since a digital mind could be sent by radio or beam to a destination at light speed. In the end, your view of time is all about energy and temperature, not actual time. That Landauer limit has a dependency on temperature, you cut the temperature in half and you need half the energy to do your thinking, double it and you need double the energy so cold places are your friend. However, so are cold switches, and they need time to cool off each time they fire, which can take quite some time when it's cold as hotter things cool more rapidly. So if you want to do your cheapest computing, you do it slow and frozen, and since computing equals thinking and simulating, energy is life, and if you're computing ten times more efficiently, you get ten times more life from the same amount of energy. Energy is time, and time can be produced when you want it, and you would probably be able to frame jack to the highest speeds you could at an extra cost. You're running rather hot for a bit, less efficiently, and building up heat a bit faster than you can purge, or pay more energy to use radiators or similar to cool yourself quickly. For a digital being, time appears as needed. You plot along, relatively speaking, at the most efficient speeds, but can burst into high speed when called for like if someone shot at you. What does time in the outside world mean to you? 
Well, more technological advances, more interesting books written or simulations designed. If you're in it for yourself, it helps to move quick to maximize your access to energy in the long term to fuel you for as long as you want, but otherwise to go slow to maximize your efficiency from the cold and from new tech being made, and maximize your access to other folks' creative and industrial successes. If you are a true loner, you get yourself off to a cold and empty bit of space with the most efficient power generator you can find and some supply of raw material and fuel. For context, some small icy asteroid not much bigger than a house, maybe 100 tons of ice and rock, out in the Kuiper Belt would be cold enough to let you run about 10 times faster than on Earth, a billion times faster than normal thought on a 1000 watt power source. And if you use fusion as your power source at about 1% mass to energy efficiency, that would last for a few billion years, or a few billion billion years of subjective thinking and living, many thousands of times longer than not only how long the universe has been around, but how long it will be living with fusion capable stars. Alternatively, someone who had access to artificial black holes, or even just found an ejected one at the galactic rim with a brown dwarf orbiting it that they could feed into the thing for power, could do way better. Out in intergalactic space, temperature is around a hundredth of what it is on Earth, and black holes convert power at near-mass-to-energy levels of efficiency, so you'd be getting almost a thousand times the bang for your buck, or thinking for your jewel as our last example. If you did have a brown dwarf or Jovian planet all to yourself, and there are doubtless trillions of things hanging around the galaxy, you'd also have around a trillion, trillion times more energy than our last example, which you're using a thousand times more efficiently, and thus would enjoy an effective lifetime of a few billion, trillion, trillion, trillion years. That's a pretty long life. Needless to say, you could spread that out among many people, a few billion could live digitally off that last example for a trillion 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 years too, or you could run much larger brains on it too, such as a modified Matrioska brain, something we looked at in Conscious Stellar Objects. Huge numbers but the key notion is that you can run this time however fast you want, limited only by your power generator and cooling times, and the more efficiency you want the more slowly you need to go, but you can always pay extra for a burst of speed, and again that is relative, your maximum efficiency might be slow but is likely to still be thousands of times faster than normal, and you're all digital so your emulated neurons could be all scattered around and redundant so you could flip others while some were cooling off. Fundamentally, a digital life is one decoupled from classic time, it still runs in a linear fashion but it can pulse around running super slow one moment so you barely notice the seasons turning if looking outside, and the next moment so fast that eye blinks were glacial, times during which you could have lived whole lives. You can effectively insert time in periods of your choosing as you need them and where you need them if the where is in digital landscapes and simulated realities. However, time doesn't actually have to run linearly in those either, The neat thing about a simulation is you can save states so you can time travel inside those. You can leapfrog around like in Doctor Who or experience the same day or life over and over again like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day or Colonel O'Neill and Tilk in Stargate SG-1's episode Window of Opportunity. Since it is a virtual reality, it would probably be a bit less frustrating than the time loops they experienced. You can also create time backwards. 
since if you can simulate from a moment of time onward, you could also back-calculate a history. You could make a simulated world set in a fantasy equivalent of medieval times, then later decide to make a Bronze Age period, or even create time backwards all the way to a Big Bang if you liked and had the processing power to spend. You are effectively outside time in that place. Regardless of whether you're running at more modern power and computing efficiencies, or the hyper-efficient ones powered by fusion or black holes and pressing the Landau limit, you can experience an awful lot of subjective time and experience it quickly. How many thousands of years, which you might experience in mere minutes, do you want to live? Or can you live? Some non-human megamind might be adapted for that sort of near-eternity, but we probably are not and it's quite likely that if you flipped a digital but human mind on at those kind of speeds, even with the simulated worlds to experience, they'd grow insane or bored to suicidal levels before the folks monitoring the equipment even had time to come back from their lunch break. Initially, between technological limits and an interest in the world around them, I'd imagine your typical digital person would run much slower, probably just a bit faster than real time with pulses of faster computation to go read a book or watch a movie or enjoy a virtual vacation, but over time as more and more folks did it and the technology built up, you might have whole virtual civilizations rising and falling every day in the outside world while meandering on for centuries of subjective time. Popping out of those to enjoy a day in the real world, assuming they kept running with other people still inside would mean coming back so far ahead in time that would be akin to sublight interstellar travel, you go on a trip and come back centuries later. What else is different for the digital person? Well, all of life is probably recorded so even if you use compression, you could not only remember any moment but effectively step back into it and relive it, probably with simulated variations to experience too, to do your what-if ruminations, Even if you share a virtual world or mini with other folks, you probably have your own personal reality, be it a house or a whole planet, that is yours and runs at your preferred speed, potentially pausing whenever you step out if you wish, and where you can go spend centuries with little time passed in the outside world, even virtual worlds where time probably runs a bit slower in the name of efficiency and allowing their other inhabitants to enjoy the whole thing without missing whole epochs by effectively pausing it if they need to pop out for something. And it might be many worlds someone dwelt in simultaneously. Our brains aren't really set up to handle multiple simultaneous lives, but it probably wouldn't take too much tinkering to allow an enhanced mind to experience several realities at once, and keep those all integrated together in their memory, or merge those separate memories. You are digital so you can copy yourself as much as you please, but if you've got a copy running on Mars and one on Jupiter, You either have two diverging copies of yourself, or need some way of integrating those together periodically, like a book with many chapters shifting viewpoint between a handful of major characters. That would probably be rather tricky to do right, but right is a debatable concept anyway on something like stitching disparate memories and experiences together into some whole. Of course if you can stitch memories of two diverging copies together into a whole, you can probably do it with two separate people. For instance instead of reading a manual of how to do some task, stitch in the selected memories of an export into your own mind, or a skill set simply uploaded to your mind like they did in the Matrix. It would be a weird life by our standards, you are functionally immortal, you can copy yourself at will 
and can't be cured by accident or age or even malice with enough backups and security, you can edit your memories and potentially other people's into your own. You can probably edit your emotions or personality too, to remove or dampen feelings like fear or boredom, or amplify or dampen attitudes you consider positive or negative. You can live a thousand thousand lifetimes, all in different places, or maybe far far more, places that could never exist in reality, such as houses with rooms between rooms where they could not fit in a real 3D world, or where gravity didn't function, or topology was surreal, or it always rained on Thursday or it rained donuts. Even before we contemplate truly superhuman minds that might be made without constraint to biology, we get a picture of a very inhuman mind emerging in a digital life, be it for good or ill, or a bit of both. Such an existence might make you an angel or a devil, enlightened and happy in utopia, or in utter despair and madness living in a seemingly eternal nightmare. So possibly a blessing or a curse, and it might depend a lot on how you or your civilization chose to employ it, but that's a challenge we face with almost every new technology and idea. We'll get to the schedule in a moment, but first, it's an interesting thing that as we discuss digital life in centuries to come and live in a world in which computers are in the background of everything, a lot of folks still don't really understand what algorithms are and how to use them. And I think a lot of folks assume that it's limited to computers as a result, without really realizing they use them informally all the time. Still, they are vital to computers, and if you're interested in learning more about them and how to use them, there's a very intuitive course on the topic over at Brilliant. Brilliant is an online learning community with over 60 interactive courses and many quizzes and puzzles, plus fun daily challenges that help get the brain warmed up for the day. Those challenges provide a context and framework that you need to tackle so that you learn the concepts by applying them, which is the best way to learn new concepts. Brilliant has brand new interactive content that makes solving puzzles and challenges even more fun and hands-on, plus their online community gives you places to discuss the material or ask questions, and their mobile app's offline feature lets you take courses even when you're not getting a good signal. If you'd like to learn more science, math, and computer science, and want to do it at your own pace and from the comfort of your own home, go to Brilliant.org slash and sign up for free. And also, the first 200 people that go to that link will get 20% off the annual premium subscription so you can solve all the daily challenges in the archives and access dozens of problem solving courses. So today we were talking about living in digital universes and realities, And next week we're going to get into multiverses and different realities, and dig in deep to explain what the basis and structure of these are in science and theory, in parallel universes and alternate realities. The week after that we'll be digging into another concept popular in science fiction but often not detailed in much depth, or even vaguely correctly, as we explore what antimatter is, how we might make and store it, and what use it has to future civilizations. For alerts when those and other episodes come out, make sure to subscribe to the channel, and if you enjoyed this episode, hit the like button and share it with others. And if you'd like to support future episodes, you can support the show on Patreon or visit our website, IsaacArthur.net, to donate to the channel, see our list of episodes or book recommendations, or buy some awesome SFAA merchandise. Until next time, thanks for watching, and have a great week.